Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download the free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 2 called Seeing with a Prophetic Eye. Would you please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 2? As we have just studied a, started a new study in Isaiah, and we're excited about it. So locate, if you would, Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah 2, 1, if you follow in your Bible with me. The word which Isaiah, the son of Amos, Isaiah 2, 1, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Here we will look at a chapter tonight that fast-forwards with a prophetic eye into the future. One of the best ways to live in the present for a believer is to always have a prophetic eye on the future, because the future puts the present into perspective for a believer. If you only live for the present, you will be an empty person. And I think that you will live with a fear of the future your whole life. But if you live for the future you will have the present as well. And that's the beautiful truth about having a prophetic eye. The prophetic eye looks beyond, and whenever it looks beyond, its gaze must be fixed on God because God is the one who holds the future. If you're going to have a positive outlook on the future, it is because you know the God who holds the future. How else would you have a positive outlook? And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes upon Jesus who is the author and perfecter of your faith. And so, as Isaiah writes tonight, one of the themes that you're going to see as uh, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit is the idea of hope. Uh, Colossians 1 says, because of the hope laid up in heaven for you, or the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. In the Bible, hope is firm assurance. It's not, I really hope this happens, but it is firm. Uh, Hebrews six seventeen says this hope is what? The anchor of our souls. There's so many things in this world that can blow us around as individuals. Paul says that uh, in the, uh, to the Thessalonians, he says, not that you, may, uh, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Hope affects our lives. It says everyone who has this hope, 1 John 3, 3, fixed on him, think of the gaze fixed on Jesus, purifies himself just as he is pure. Titus 2, 13 says that we are looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is our blessed hope. And this hope, as I mentioned earlier, is the anchor of our soul. We're to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, Hebrews 10.23. And 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, gird your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Tonight, we must ask the question, where is your hope? Last night, I did a memorial service um, for a family member connected to family in this fellowship, and that was the theme that the Lord gave me. I was praying uh, for those people who would come into that memorial service. I know that some of them probably were not believers, 
And really what the Lord gave me is that the, the hope of all of mankind is found in Jesus Christ. And so you're going to watch Isaiah say to the people of his day, I want you to look to the future hope and I want that to motivate you on how you live. Look at verse 2. Now it will come about that in the last days, if you have the New King James, it says latter days, this phrase could be translated in the end of days. In Genesis 1.1, Moses writes, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and Isaiah writes in this particular text, and we have this all over the Bible, in the latter days. You have in the beginning, and now the Bible will tell you in the end, this is what will take place. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established, middle of verse two, as the chief of the mountains, and will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. So while Isaiah is giving this exhortation towards his people and we saw chapter one and we saw all the radical exhortations and the indictment of the nation and how God was really crying from heaven against his people, now Isaiah fast forwards us into what we believe would be the millennium. In the millennium, that's a thousand year reign of Christ and you can read about it in Revelation 19 and 20, you will have several things that take place. You will have the restoration of Mount Zion elevated as the chief of mountains. You have the restoration of the people and land of Israel, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven mentioned in Revelation 21, 22. You will have the rule of the earth restored to its rightful king. This is the best interpretation of Daniel 9, 24 when the anointing of the most holy is talked about. The holy one will rule and reign from Jerusalem and he will Uh, give answers to the people. We'll look at that in a moment. But I want you to notice the nations will stream into it, almost the image of an upward river going up to Mount Zion, uh, desiring to be there with the Holy One. And this will be the complete restoration of, uh, in the Jewish mind, this would include the temple. If you read Ezekiel chapters 40 through 48, you will see what most conclude is a millennial temple. And many of us ask, what's the reason for the temple in the millennium? Because in the Jewish mind, there's no real complete restoration of Israel without a temple. That's why so many of them, by the way, are zealous for a temple to rebuilt, be rebuilt on uh, the area of Solomon's uh, temple where the Dome of the Rock now is and the Al-Aqsa Mosque is the black one in the back because they feel that their nation cannot return to its former glory without the temple. And so all of these things will take place. Now notice in verse two, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of mountains and raised above the hills. Now we know that one of the themes of Isaiah's book, the problem with the people of Israel is a problem of idolatry. One of the things that the ancient pagan practices would include is something called a high place. In the high place, they would go up to the highest mountain. They would put a shrine or sometimes build a temple there. Sometimes you'll see the word the Acropolis, and that literally means the high city. And they would build these shrines in these high, on these high places because they felt that they were the closest point to the god, or in some cases, even the goddess. And there they would go to worship. And so the theme that you'll sometimes see in the Bible is that God will be called the most high God. And I think what the Bible's doing there is telling you that God is elevated above every false God. The false gods may have their high places, but God is the most high God. There is no one higher than him. 
I want to take you to some Psalms. Hold your finger in Isaiah. Little few books towards Genesis, you'll get to the Psalms. Go to Psalm 95. If you're ready to praise the Lord tonight, and I hope you are, get ready to praise. Because here, you can only say these Psalms with great enthusiasm. And here's what it says. Psalm 95, 1, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Psalm 95, 1, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. 95, 3, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Notice that. In whose hands are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Look at Psalm 96, verse 1. Sing a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 96, 2. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. Notice how he goes to the creation. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Go to Psalm 97. Look at verse 1. The Lord reigns, Psalm 97, 1. Let the earth rejoice, let the many islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. His lightnings lit up the world. The earth saw and trembled, Psalm 97, 5. The mountains melted like wax, the places where the high places are. At the presence of the Lord, At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the peoples have seen his glory. Let all those be ashamed who serve graven images, who boast themselves of idols. Worship him. Notice this, all you gods. Makes you think of Dagon, the Philistine god who fell over before the ark. Remember that? As though he were worshiping the one true God. Zion heard this and was glad. The daughters of Judah have rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord, verse 9. For thou art art the Lord most high over all the earth. Thou, Thou art exalted, notice, far above all gods. And then go to Psalm 135. Psalm 135, look at verse 1. Praise the Lord, Psalm 135, 1. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of our God. Psalm 135, 3. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is lovely. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, verse 4, Israel for his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord, uh, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas, and in all the deeps. Please go back to Isaiah. So the false gods had these high places. When the new Jerusalem comes, the holy hill of Zion will be elevated as the chief of all the mountains. That's why many scholars believe that Zion will be the highest point on the earth in the millennium. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Merry Christmas from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. We're so grateful to all of our partners who partner with Walk in Truth. Since last year, our listener partnerships have grown. Last Christmas, we let our listeners know it cost over $150,000 a year to fund this ministry. That includes radio airtime, podcasting, promotion, equipment, supplies, and one part-time staff member. At this time last year, we were excited to report listener support had reached 25% of our overall budget. The rest is funded by Living Truth Christian Fellowship Church funds. Now that has grown to 31%, and because of that, we have added Walk in Truth to three more radio stations, where more people have had a chance to hear these teachings. We could still use your help, too. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I rarely do this, and I'm not necessarily even comfortable asking for finances, but the reality is that this program has to pay for radio airtime and what we do, and it's a blessing to partner with what you believe in, with the gospel ministry that hopefully has been a blessing to you. If that's you, would you please consider giving an end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation? Please give a one-time gift on behalf of you, your family, or business. You can help us pay for airtime for the radio station or podcast app you listen to. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click Donate. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. The daughters of Judah have rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord, verse 9. For thou art, art the Lord most high over all the earth. Thou, thou art exalted, notice, far above all gods. And then go to Psalm 135. Psalm 135, look at verse 1. Praise the Lord, Psalm 135, 1. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of our God, Psalm 135, 3. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is lovely. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, verse 4, Israel for his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the, Lord, uh, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deeps. Please go back to Isaiah. So the false gods had these high places. When the new Jerusalem comes, the holy hill of Zion will be elevated as the chief of all the mountains. That's why many scholars believe that Zion will be the highest point on the earth in the millennium. And that when the nations stream to it, it will be literally the high point. And some believe that the new Jerusalem will hover above the actual physical mountain. I'll let you dig that out a little bit more if you want to do your own study on that. But the nations will stream to it. They will flow up to it. Look at Isaiah 2, 3. And many peoples will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. They used to go up to the high places of the false gods. To the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. 
Wouldn't it be neat to know, and I know it's happening in some pockets of the world tonight, that many people would want to come to the house of the Lord to hear what he has to say about life. That's what we need to get back to as a nation and as a church. We don't need to come to church to be entertained. We need to come to church to hear the word of the Lord. Amen? To hear what he has to say. We want to experience him, of course, in worship and in fellowship, experience one another, but that the peoples would stream to the Lord. And so there will be a millennial temple. It's mentioned in, uh, if you want to do some parallel study, you can look at Joel 3, 10 through 18, and there you'll see that there's a literal millennial temple. And uh, turn to Isaiah 60 with me, Isaiah 60. Here's a little preview of the millennial temple. Isaiah 60, 11, your gates will be open continually. Isaiah 60, 11, they will not be closed day or night so that men may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. For the nation and the kingdom, Isaiah 60, 12, which will not serve you will perish and the nations will be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon will come to you the juniper, the box tree, and the cypress together to beautify the place of my sanctuary and shall make the place of my feet glorious. And the sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you. And all those who despised you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet. And they will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. So as Isaiah is going through and really dealing with the people of God, he gives them a glimpse into the future to help them to be motivated to live for the present. And I want you to think about that theme as we go through this chapter because it's really a theme that applies to all of us. We can get, all get caught up in the present and, and really lose focus on what we're supposed to be here, uh, what we're supposed to be about as we're here. And so I really believe that this theme is a theme for the church he will judge, Isaiah 2, 4, between the nations. He will render decisions for many peoples. It almost is reminiscent of the time of Solomon when people would come from all over and they would come to glean the wisdom of Solomon. It's also reminiscent of the ministry of Moses where people would come and even Moses' father-in-law said, man, it's too much for you. You've got to delegate some of this responsibility. And all of us could say, amen, delegation can be a really good thing, right? But Jesus will be there in Zion, and it appears that the nations will come, and part of the reason that they will come is to glean wisdom from him. He will render decisions, and I think other versions say he will deal with their disputes of many peoples. They will hammer their swords into plowshares. Uh, I think the, the idea of uh, hammering their swords into plowshares has the idea of uh, ho their hoes, or their, uh, it will become a, a, an implement for... Um, farming instead of war, their spears into pruning hooks, nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war, and that's because the Prince of Peace is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if there was no longer a need for weapons, and I'm not talking about not having a weapon for self-protection, but I'm talking about not needing a weapon because people don't do war anymore. All you need it for now is maybe something to farm with or something like that. You know, they say uh, right now 
and this is a, a little older statistic, but I think uh, you get, you'll get the point. Right now, there's over 100 wars going on in the world as we sit here tonight. Wars for myriads of reasons, for land reasons, for religious reasons, for because you kicked my dog or your dog was in my garden or whatever. People are at war. It seems to be kind of the nature of mankind. And we even are at war with our God. But there will be a day, and it will be in the millennial reign of Jesus when we will know peace. You've been listening to Seeing with a Prophetic Eye, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah Chapter 2. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. If you'd like to watch recent messages or church services with Pastor Michael and the Living Truth Congregation, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find the channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, Isaiah chapter 2 certainly shows us a beautiful, hopeful picture of a day when they will beat their weapons into plowshares and uh, they will come to the mountain of the Lord and learn his ways. And that is a beautiful picture pointing us to a time where we will experience the reign of Jesus Christ, often called his millennial reign. And this is so hopeful because it's really about what, you know, we're in the Christmas season when we talk about joy and hope. Well, joy and hope are tied to the future, not just to now. And when the future is bleak, we often lose hope. But when we know that the future is secure, that God will install his king and he will rule and reign with a rod of iron, as we will learn later in the book of Isaiah, well, uh, and we learn in Psalm chapter 2 as well. Uh, This gives us great hope and that war will cease and we'll learn in Isaiah chapter 11 that the wolf and the lamb, ancient, uh, a predator of the lamb, will lie down together. Uh, These are all images of a golden age. These are all images of uh, a restoration of things being made new, which is what Revelation picks up, some of the imagery actually from the book of Isaiah, chapter 65 and 66. And so my encouragement to you this Christmas season is to find joy, not only in the first coming of Christ, but in the second coming and the establishment of his kingdom, and to know that we will rule and reign with him forever. This is uh, Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and we are excited that you're listening to this broadcast, and we're so excited uh, that our financial partners are helping us. And for all of you who pray for us, you know, that's the key to the whole thing, just seeking the Lord. But it is the end of the year, and we have the update for you in terms of Walking Truth that we wanted to just say that we're at 31% supported. Radio airtime does cost money, and we have a very small team here. Uh, and just so you know, I do not get paid to do radio. Uh, I do it because it's really the passion and burden of my heart. And in fact, I was flying recently uh, into Ontario Airport in Southern California, and I was revisiting the original passion that launched uh, Walk in Truth Radio back in 2008. We started on a single radio station once a week on Sundays. It was kind of a conservative talk station. 
And uh, the Lord uh, impressed that upon my heart, and it's just exciting to see where it's gone, and and my heart is to see it spread. And that's why I'm saying to you that if you've been benefiting from the program, it's not just about a personal benefit. It's about a mission. It's really about us partnering in the gospel and taking whatever platform God has given us, not just so that we get blessed, amen, brother or sister, but so that we can be a blessing to others, so others can hear the good news of the gospel. That's what this is all about. So if you'd like to become a partner, and we have an incredible group of partners giving sacrificially to this ministry, here's what you can do. You can go to walkintruth.com, click on the donate button. That'll take you down to some um, areas where you can see, you can click on where you listen. And uh, of course, if you're a podcast listener, we'd like to know as well. And you can become a monthly partner. Now, you can give a one-time end-of-the-year gift, and that would be awesome. But monthly partners really are the key because they let us budget and uh, dream about and pray about new radio stations and the like. So thank you so much. Hey, keep it in prayer. I know there's a lot going on, and the end of the year has a lot of demands on a lot of you. So there's no there's no burden here. Look, um, if the Lord leads and it's on your heart to give, then you give with a joyful heart. And if, if the Lord's not leading that way, then so be it. Uh, just seek Him first, and uh, He'll show you what to do. But just want to express my appreciation for your prayers on behalf of the team of Walking Truth. We're so grateful. And tune in tomorrow for more in the book of Isaiah, chapter 2. God bless you. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lentz's next teaching in Isaiah 2 called Seeing with a Prophetic Eye. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.